Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, welcome to a big football Friday. Great weekend in the NFL, the divisional playoffs, my favorite weekend. Four games to determine the championship games in the NFC and the AFC. Let's get it started. We got the Vikings at the Niners and the Titans at the Ravens. That'll be on Saturday night. And then on Sunday, it's the Texans at the Chiefs and the Seahawks at the Packers on Sunday night. We're going to break down those games and much more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, folks, if you're like me, um, even though it's sort of cooler outside, that means you're running your heat. But you know what? My electric bill is still over $200. That's too much. If you want to save 90 to 95% off your electric bills, Listen to me now. May Electric Solar, they're a locally owned company, and May Electric Solar is the safest solar available, and they don't use high voltage like many other solar companies. And May Electric Solar has a 25-year warranty on all equipment and labor. Uh, they have a full showroom that's open weekdays. You can see their quality products. Now, May Electric Solar has been around 12 years. They've earned a great reputation with their customers and their peers. And there's a lot of other solar companies imitating them, trying to use their great name. But remember, they don't subcontract with anyone uh, and they don't use subcontractors at all. So remember, it has to be May all the way. So stop the insanity of these out-of-control electric bills and start saving now. Call the real May Electric at 727-819-2862. Some breaking news after we taped this podcast on Thursday. The Rays have made a couple trades just when you thought uh, you were wondering what they were going to do this offseason to improve their team or uh, change the look of their team and feel as they do every offseason. They made a couple of trades on Thursday night. The first trade, they trade one of their top pitching prospects, Matthew Libertor, who was the uh, 16th overall selection by the Rays in the 2018 draft. He was considered their number three prospect in their farm system. They traded him to the Cardinals along with a low-level catcher and a compensation B pick from this year. And they traded to the Cardinals for first baseman DH Jose Martinez, Cuban outfielder Randy Arozarena, and the compensation draft pick A. So the Rays in this case are definitely trying to make their team stronger this year by dealing one of their top pitching prospects. So it'll be interesting how this trade works out over time. Uh, but back they get Jose Martinez, a first baseman DH, hits uh, left-handed pitching really well, which, of course, with uh, Avicel Garcia and Jesus Aguilar gone and you know, there's a lot of Tommy Pham gone. They had a need for a right-handed bat. Jose Martinez fills that for this team. He's got some pop to him. Cuban outfielder Randy Arozarena. He is the uh, it looks sounds like the one that the Rays um, really wanted in this trade. He he's a defector from Cuba. He defected at age 19 in 2016. Uh, last season he hit uh, 358 with 12 home runs and 246 bats at AAA. Had a cup of coffee up at the big leagues last year. I think he went six for 20 overall with a home run. Uh, but it sounds like this is the piece that they, they really have their eyes on as far as building for the f the future and now. Uh, they think he's major league ready now. Um, it'll be interesting how he fits in the outfield. Obviously, you got Kevin Kiermaier, you got Austin Meadows. 
you traded Tommy Pham and Avisel Garcia are gone, but remember you got Hunter Renfro back in the trade for Tommy Pham, and now you've got uh, a Rosarino there. So uh, the Rays filling some needs there with uh, Jose Martinez. He's a 31-year-old uh, first baseman who uh, is going to make a little over $2 million this year. Doesn't hit free agency till 2023, though, so a little older, uh, but he does have some pop in his bat. Hits over 330 against left-handed pitching, which is something they need in this lineup. So uh, big price to pay giving up Matthew Libertor, but but it's good to see the Rays making trades for today to improve the team. I mean, we're so used to seeing uh, Tampa Bay trade uh, big league players for prospects. This trade in, in this time, they're trading the prospects for the big league players. Which, look, this is why you build up a farm system. This is why you have one of the best farm systems in baseball. Not only is it to restock your team for injuries or players that leave, uh, you know, coming up through your system, but they're assets you can trade to then help your team currently. Now the Rays had to make a, another move too because their forty man roster was a little too uh, thick. Now they had forty one with it, so they trade Austin Pruitt to the Astros. They get back a, uh, a pitcher and a, a fielder. Um, this move was primarily Austin Pruitt last year uh, was called up, I think, nine times from Durham uh, to the Rays. He was kind of a journeyman going back and forth. He's out of options, so if he was going to make the team, which he'd have to make the team, you could not send him down to Durham, which is not the flexibility the Rays generally like. So Austin Pruitt gets to go home. He's from the Houston area, so he goes to the Astros, and they get a couple of prospects back from – the Astros in that trade, so uh, that's how they even out the the roster. So Matthew Libertor, pitching prospect gone, Jose Martinez and Randy Arozarena in, and and the other part of this trade for the Rays, they move up. I think it was twenty eight spots from sixty six to thirty eight in the draft this year with their compensation picks that they swapped with St. Louis in this trade. This is a considered a very deep and heavy draft. So getting another pick, moving up twenty eight spots for a better pick. Uh, from your compensation picks uh, was probably a big part of this trade for the Rays as well, too, and keeping that farm system going. Um, picking at 38 in this draft compared to 66 seems like a big advantage. So um, that's part of the move. So essentially six players swapping, two of them picks, four players swap with the Cardinals, and then the, the trade with the Astros to send Austin Pruitt there. We'll have more on this next week. Maybe we'll even try to get Mark Topkin on to talk about it. And uh, who knows what other moves the Rays could make in the next few days. Uh, arbitration numbers had to be in, uh, will have to be in this afternoon, uh, actually. And the Rays have uh, five players that were arbitration eligible, although uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan reporting that uh, Chaz Rowe avoided arbitration, a one-year deal worth $2,185,000 uh, $2, and change. Um, so they have four players still arbitration eligible. Tyler Glasnow, Oliver Drake, Hunter Renfro, and Daniel Robertson. So those numbers will have to be exchanged today, barring any uh, deals that are, are reached at the last minute before they have to exchange numbers. All right, before we get to the games, uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see this. You can go to tempbay.com. Uh, we're going to tweet out a link to it. But uh, Rich Eisen has an extremely good show, of course, on NFL Network, uh, his talk show. And uh, Rich is actually a, a good a good friend. I've, I've known him for a while. And he had Carson Palmer, of course, the former Arizona Cardinals uh, quarterback who was with Bruce Arians in Arizona before that, a long-time Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, number one pick, all that, played a little bit for the Raiders. And we all remember that uh, when Arians came into Arizona, you know, Palmer in his first year wound up throwing 22 interceptions, which isn't that much less than what Jameis just did, right, at 30. Um, and it was interesting to hear his perspective. You get a chance to go on to uh, and, and listen to this interview. I'll just 
kind of summarize it for you a little bit or maybe even quote him here for a second. But, I mean, the gist of it was is his understanding of how difficult that first year under Bruce Arians' offense is. Now, Carson Palmer had a lot of experience by the time he got to the Cardinals. He had played, I think, Steve, maybe more than five years at that point. I think he was an older quarterback. Oh, yeah, he spent more than five years in Cincinnati. So Yeah. So he and he had been to Oakland, remember after that, mm-hmm. and then he eventually made his way to to Arizona. So he he had a lot of football, more football than Jameis even had. But again, a guy with a big arm sort of fit that offense right. And you know he he spoke really philosophically about Bruce, and we all know this that you know unlike maybe even what you're seeing in the playoffs, you know with with teams like the Titans or the Ravens like to run the ball a lot. Bruce Arians is all about you know, shot plays, and he doesn't he doesn't believe in driving the ball 15, 16, 17 plays. He'd like, you know, to have those four or five play drives with, with a 50-yard touchdown mix, mixed in there. And because of that, um, you know, the quarterback is going to have the ball in his hands a lot and have to make a lot of decisions. And I thought it was interesting to hear, you know, Palmer's perspective that, um, you know, especially on a team, as Palmer said, which, you know, Tampa Bay did not have a good defense, particularly early in the year, where you know you're going to give up a lot of points, that you have to take some chances and try to throw some ball in some tight windows. And, you know, more often than not, a lot of those were, were intercepted. Um, and, you know, but, but you're not trying to win the game 17 to 13. You're, you're trying to score 30 or 40 more points. So what, what Palmer said, in essence, is he goes, look, if he comes back, and he doesn't know, and I don't think anybody knows, and there's a possibility that maybe the, the Bucks don't know yet. But if they bring him back, he believes um, that mentally, you know, the defenses or the offense is so difficult and there's so many formations. He said that they, you know, between the shifts and everything, he said there's actually games where they would go into a game and there could be 400, 400 plays on the play sheet that, that Arians could call at any time. That's you know, I've heard of the 200, 250 plays. Like, that was kind of the Gruden range, you know, if I got 250 pass plays, whatever. But that's an incredible amount of volume um, for any offense that I've ever heard of, to be honest with you. So, you know, if you're responsible for, for knowing that much, right, and not just you but also your teammates, yeah, you have to be on point. Your receivers have you're, to know that. Your running backs, yeah. your offensive line. Yeah. I mean, that's that seems to be – um, you know, a learning curve that even a guy who is as committed as, as Jameis is, and we know he spends the time, I mean, he works on his craft, but you would have to believe that year one to year two, just that familiarity alone, right, would, would knock that number from 30, I don't know, down to at least 18, 17, 18 maybe a year. Um, you know, and, and if, you're, if your receivers hang on to a few balls, you know, maybe even less. So... I mean that that's got to be the number one consideration. That if I'm if I'm Bruce Arians and Jason Light and those guys, I'm looking at this. I have to sort of allow for and and I know. Look, they didn't expect him to throw thirty. I mean, come on, and no one goes into the into the season thinking, you know, we we could. But it, but if Palmer was was sort of the standard, right? If he was a guy who had all the information and had played longer than Jameis, and he threw twenty two, so they had to be going in thinking, yeah, he could throw twenty. He could throw twenty two. Well, he threw thirty. So it's disappointing. It's uh, you know, and and more than that, it was some of the some of it was the same mistakes I know that bothered mm-hmm. the coaching staff, and particularly when they happened. Right, you can't start games with pick sixes. Okay, 
you know, first series interceptions, get your team in a hole, especially when you have a bad defense. But I, it was good insight. I really, I thought that that Palmer made some good points. And and again, I don't know, you know, when they evaluate this, Arians may say, you know, Carson, he's not Carson Palmer. You know, Arians may say he never got it. You know, there was never a a moment where I felt like it was going to turn. Um, but just in in terms of like a guy that's actually done it. It's a pretty good endorsement for Jameis Winston if you're if you're thinking about it, you know. Well, we've talked about throughout several times this year about how it took Carson Palmer about a half season to really get it in Arizona, and they struggled the first half of that first season, and then they kind of they the second half of the season for the Cardinals was much better. The Bucks yeah. were very similar this this year. Yeah, they were. Now Jameis kind of threw away the last two games, which is where he the did. sour taste is in your mouth. He that did. as you're supposed to be getting better in that you made some egregious mistakes in the last two games to kind of throw mm-hmm. it away. So mm-hmm. that, that leaves that sting in, in your mouth. And, and, you know, you just, it's not, that's not a good feeling, whether you're the fans or the coaches or even Jameis himself. So it's not an easy decision for the Bucks because there's no, no doubt really Jameis has talent. No doubt. No doubt he can sling the football. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, you know, look, he, what, led the league in passing this year? Yeah. Um, as a team, they they led the league in pass. Although interesting stat this year, and as it becomes more and more of a passing league, the top yeah. four teams in passing offense did not make the playoffs, yeah. Yeah. and the top four teams in rushing offense did. Yeah. Well, let me just say, uh, okay, a couple things about that. Now, one, nobody is going to have numbers like Baltimore, right? Mm-hmm. No one's going to have rushing numbers like Baltimore because sure. their quarterback ran for a thousand yards. Yes. Okay. So. Let's let's uh, let's admit that that's the outlier. That you sure. have a, a a an option type quarterback who can make enormous plays with his feet. And so going in, you know, if you have a running back that goes for a hundred and your quarterback goes for eighty, you're you're already well above the average of the league. Mm-hmm. So you're going to lead the league in rushing. So even if you toss that out, the other thing I would say to you is this about numbers in general, right? You know. A lot of the teams that lead the league in passing stink because mm-hmm. why? They're throwing the entire second half, third quarter, fourth quarter, trying to get back in the game. They've abandoned the run. And so, therefore, if you're if you're behind, yep. right, two or two scores, you're not running the football, so you're a lousy running team. The, the reverse of that is if I got a football team that can get out in front of somebody, say I have a good defense and I get a two, 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 two or three-score lead on you, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I know how to finish, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit there and ground and pound you to death and run clock. And that's how you get good rushing. You know, the, the, most of your rushing yards or an awful lot of the big runs come in the fourth quarter when teams are gambling, um, you know, they're, they're, they're coming downhill, they're, they're trying to do everything they can to get the ball back. And if you pop one, you know, you get the 40- and 50-yard breakout runs, and all of a sudden your average looks good. So there's a lot of things, but it is unusual. I think if you just watch the games mm-hmm. – I think I think what's unusual is in a passing league you see Derrick Henry, right? Mm-hmm. You see uh, you know teams that are just committed to grinding it out, you know, like that that is sort of what they do and we're going to talk about, you know, the Titans Ravens game and that's going to look like a throwback because you know and and but there's there's also there's there's also something to it when you get to December and January when the weather is bad, right? How much can Russell Wilson run around? Or will he need beast mode? You know, will he need 
a guy in the backfield to get him some some gritty yards if mm-hmm. if if the wind is blowing and it's cold and there's snow or there's ice or whatever. I mean, you still got to play on those fields if you're not in a dome. Um, you know, many times up north in in December and January. So you know, you have to be able to run it when you want to run it. And I do think that there is a lot to the fact that you know the Bucks have not had a good running game. I do, and, and I don't. Mm-hmm. I can't pinpoint it. You know, now they will tell you that they still got the effect uh, of linebackers in play action because they were they had the rushing attempts. They didn't abandon. They weren't just throwing it fifty five times every game. They did in some games. They had thirty one rushes, but they averaged three yards a carry. But they still got the effect of running the football. But they have to get better at it. I mean, you just have – you can't be, you know, down in the bottom third of the league in anything. You know, you don't want to be there in anything, kicking, nothing, punting, any of it. So they have to get better. And, I I mean, you could say, well, it starts with the offensive line. I think it also helps to have the running back. I mean, who have been the running backs on this football team? You know, the last guy to have 1,000 yards, he played for Greg Schiano. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Doug Martin. I don't even think Doug, Doug Martin might have had a thousand yards under Dirk Cutter. I can't remember. I, have to, I don't think so, but I have to go back and look. I mean, you know, and and Peyton Barber, really? I love Peyton Barber, but he's not. You know, he came out early from Auburn. He wasn't drafted. I mean, there's a reason he doesn't run well. Um, you know, runs hard, but that you know, hard doesn't get you past the linebackers. And then Ronald Jones has been. I'm sorry. You know, four yards a carry, mm, that's not special to me, you know. And, and he had plenty of opportunities, and he, he broke some runs late, and he had a 100-yard game this last game of the season, which is all good signs, but not the dynamic running backs that other teams seem to have, you know what I mean? And I still think they can improve in that area. But um, really interesting insight from Carson Palmer. And, you know, if he had that same conversation, and he might, with Bruce Arians, would Bruce agree with everything he said, you know, um, that a lot of it isn't on the quarterback that, you know, you don't run the ball, you make it really hard on the quarterback. And I, I think, I think Arians does. I think Arians, Arians system is, is, you know, risk, no risk it, no biscuit. It, it is high, high risk and high reward. And that's just the way he wants to play. Well, they didn't get rewarded. They got a lot of risk, but they didn't get rewarded as much as they needed to. So, Go back and uh, if you have a chance to listen to that, uh, you know I, I thought it was a certainly a, a worthwhile uh, type interview there with Carson Palmer on the Rich Eisen show, um, and he does uh, does a real good job there. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's break down the games. Uh, it all starts on Saturday, the afternoon game. Minnesota Vikings travel to the 49ers. Of course, they knocked off the Saints. This is two uh, pretty good defenses, to be honest with you. Here's why I, I – off the top, let me just say this. The teams that stayed home last week, they are better. That's why they were home. Don't get real excited about the wild card victors. 
remember this, that, that they were there because they, you know, the Niners earned the number one seed in the NFC because they had the best year of any team in the conference, okay? That and the fact that this time of year, taking a week off to heal up is huge. It's not a small thing now. It's a big thing, a really big thing. These guys have been beat up so bad that they barely practice anyway this time of year, and now you have a whole week where you don't have to go out there and bang each other in a game. Um, and, in fact, they're going to benefit because they get back D. Ford, right, and, and perhaps Quan Alexander, who has not played since he tore his pec muscle and, and very, you know, very similar um, to what J.J. Watt, you know, to his injury, and they, they basically came back about the same time. So, you know, when you, when you put D. Ford and, and uh, Nick Bosa and you got DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, that's where it starts for these guys. And their linebackers are really good with Fred Warren. Um, you know, you had Dre Greenlaw last week make that big stop, but now you get back maybe a Quan Alexander. You got Richard Sherman and those guys on the back end. This is a really, really good and rested uh, 49ers defense. So I feel, I feel good about that. Now, let me just say this, Steve. If Kirk Cousins – can go into Levi Stadium and pull off this win after beating New Orleans in New Orleans, we're all going to like that. I mean, this is this is a, a career-altering game for Kirk Cousins. So you're saying he'll be worth the $30 million guarantee for three years that he got I'll, from Minnesota? I'll, I, well, I'll say he, he will have earned a good portion of it, yes. He will put his team in a championship game and maybe one of the most difficult paths you could put in front of him, right? Saints at New Orleans and, and Drew Brees and those guys – and then go into San Francisco with a rested 49er team at home and do them? Yeah, I think so. You're one game from the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, I mean, look, I mean, Kirk Cousins, look, the game's not Monday night, so that helps, just like last week was on a Sunday. Um, That's right. This one's on a Saturday. But Kirk Cousins has the pieces around him. You know, I mean, he's not. He does. He's not the most dynamic quarterback in the league. No one ever said he was. Uh, you know, I think when the Vikings right. signed him, they weren't expecting him to be Tom Brady, Russell Wilson. No. It was, we've got the pieces around him. We need a stable quarterback that can guide us through here and, and get us Run to, the football, to the Super Bowl. Run the football, play, play defense, good defense. Play action. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, they've got weapons. they got they got receiving weapons for him, too. They do. They do. Um, you know, I... I you know the fact they went, they lost six games this year seems kind of ridiculous and how I mean that's a good team. Granted, the NFC is loaded and the top heavy. It's a very top heavy yeah. conference of you know five teams that really dominated. But I, I still like they got off to a really bad start. I mean I don't know did. what happened early in the season, but they 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 had a chance to win that division. It did come down the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. No, they, they absolutely so. did. I mean you know they ended up finishing three games behind the Packers, but. Um, right, that right. was a tight race. I mean, the, you know, the Packers. I think won five in a row down the stretch to they did to clinch mm-hmm. the division. So the Vikings had lost their last two, but of course won last week in the playoffs. So I, I like San Francisco in this matchup, but it, this isn't a this isn't a gimme for San Francisco by any means. I mean, I, I like no. extra rest. I, I think Garoppolo's a better quarterback overall than Cousins. Um, I really like San Francisco's defense. Yeah, but you know, I think Minnesota—they've got enough weapons to make this a good game. Well, Adam Thielen uh, is coming off an ankle injury. I saw him in NFL Network. He says he's going to be okay, but he got hurt during practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got Zephon uh, Diggs, Diggs has, yep. has had an illness, but he's supposed to be okay, according to Mike Zimmer. Um, so, assuming those guys are healthy, and of course, um, you know, you, you, you've got to believe that 
when you get to game time, the adrenaline and all that. And then Dalvin Cook is the key, right? I mean, Dalvin yes. Cook makes that offense go. And him coming back and playing as strong as he did against New Orleans. Um, but but he will face a really uh, even better front seven than he did. And, and I think the Saints are very good in the front seven. Um, but the linebackers for in the defensive line for San Francisco is just an elite group. They're elite. And so if he can run the ball for 130 yards against those guys, and God bless him, he deserves to win. Um, but it's it's going to be it's going to be a very tough physical game. Um, look, if they win this game, here's the thing about think about this: Tom Brady is not in the playoffs. Jimmy Garoppolo is two games from a Super Bowl. <laughs> what do you think Bill Belichick is sitting back thinking about Bob Kraft right about now? There goes my quarterback. Can't be happy, right? I mean, I mean, hey. Maybe Brady's back next year and he wins number seven. I don't know. But maybe he's also with the L.A. Chargers. We don't know that either. Um, but Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in San Francisco for a while. And his winning percentage is really good. What do you think John now, Lynch think, thinks of Robert Kraft? <laughs> yeah, well, he's Loves very happy. Him. Loves him. Uh, yeah. You know what? John Lynch, you know, and, and, and this is the thing. It's kind of sad, right? When I mean, everybody's like, well, John Lynch. Nobody knew John Lynch wanted to be a GM until – you know, until he told people he did, but he's done a really good job. And and when they didn't have Garoppolo, you know, they they took it on the chin. They didn't win any games. And Lynch and Shanahan were under fire starting this year. And 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 in a year where they had to win, they had to win, and they had to win. Now they managed to do that. And I think Kyle Shanahan could be my coach of the year, and I think John Lynch could be my executive of the year. I think they've been that good. Um, because I think the they NFC have. I, I think you tough. know John Harbaugh and Baltimore is going to win both those awards, but. Probably, probably, but yeah. I mean, you, there. I mean, tell me the difference between Baltimore and, and San Francisco as far as the job their coaches and GMs have done. Not much, not much. I mean, they're both good organizations. I mean, you know, I think Baltimore's probably been a more solid organization through the years of late. Not certainly back when uh, when DeBartolo owned them, but I mean, you know, San Francisco has been went to a Super Bowl not that long ago with Jim Harbaugh, right? Yeah. And so, and they played the Ravens and lost to them. Um, so here they are again. They could be they could be eyeballing each other in Miami. But um, this is this is a really good game, and of course, you know George Kittle will be a big factor. I mean, there's there's good players on on both sides, but I I still I know some you know the road teams won a lot last week. I do like San Francisco in this game. I I think it's harder than people realize to to travel to New Orleans, win there, expend a lot of energy, an emotional game. Uh, you know, you win on 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 two big plays that uh, you know that you, that the quarterback makes. You know, obviously the deep throw and then the touchdown to uh, Kyle Kyle Rudolph. But um, you know, to get back on that plane and and it's not a short trip from Minnesota to San Francisco, but go back out to the West Coast and play a very rested 49er team. I think that's tough duty. That's just tough duty. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna be close, but I, I like San Francisco in this game. All right, then at uh, 8.15 on Saturday, hello, friends. Jim Nance here. We got uh, the Titans at the Ravens. Boy, this is a heavyweight fight, man. This is two, this is two big guys leaning on each other for 15 rounds. These two teams love to run the football, as you mentioned, um, and we know that Lamar you Jackson You almost want to see this it. one in the snow just because of how much running right? they're going to have. It would, you know, oh. It'd be a perfect playoff matchup in the snow. It would be, and uh, you know Derrick Henry. I mean, he's a he's an absolute beast. I'm telling you, when when uh, the Bucks went to Tennessee and they scrimmaged them about a year ago, um, and then they played them in the preseason, 
I saw, you know, Eddie George was a big running back. Remember Eddie George, right? Mm-hmm. Of course, oh, right absolutely. The Titans. Yeah. Now he's on Broadway or something singing. That's kind of not what I expected his career path would be, but whatever. Eddie George was a big Ohio State upright running back. So I'm a lot in the Big Ten, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Jeff Fisher ran him to death. He was out there on this particular day in, tra- in, in this training camp practice, this dual practice, and then Derrick Henry walked up to Eddie George. <laughs> Let me say, Derrick Henry is – I mean, he dwarfed Eddie George. I mean, Eddie George is a big, big, big man, right? And Derrick Henry looks like a freaking defensive end. The guy is just – he's like 6'2 or 3 to begin with. And he, he looks like he weighs about 260. I know he doesn't. But he's massive. And, boy, to, to have that guy pounding on you all day, oof, he's impressive. And so, you know, I, I think it – I mean, let's put it this way. Last week, okay, and I don't think this will ever happen against the Ravens because I think they're going to get behind. Uh, the Titans will. Last week, Ryan Tannehill, he only completed 8 of 15 passes mm-hmm. for 72 yards. 8 of 15, that's all he had to do. Yep. Right, and only two of those, only two of those went to a wide receiver. The rest of them were running backs and tight ends, and that's all they needed to do. That's not going to happen this week. That's that's not going to be the game plan. They can't. They will not win if he. Well, maybe they would if if that's all he has to throw. But he'll have to throw more than that. Um, and and the reason is is that the Ravens led the league, okay, in scoring at thirty thirty three point two points per game. So you're going to have to put up points in the passing game. Yeah, I, I, you know, look, this Baltimore offense is is so dynamic and so different mm-hmm. than anything. You know, it'll be interesting what happens next season when defenses have a year to figure what Baltimore's done out. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they put you in scenarios that you don't want to be in. They'll go in and throw three tight, three big tight ends out there. So you're taking all your your safeties and, and cornerbacks. You're putting off your the heavy field. personnel in there. You're putting yeah. heavy personnel, mm-hmm. and then Lamar Jackson's you know running around everybody because none of those guys can catch him. They can't chase him, yeah. You know, but all three of these tight ends aren't just there to block because they can catch the ball. Well, you know what you know what San Diego, and I'll say this: let's let's not cry me. I think Lamar Jackson's going to be the MVP of this league, mm-hmm. but let's wait until he wins a playoff game before we put him in the Hall of Fame, okay? Because I watched the San Diego Chargers go into Baltimore mm-hmm. last year. And and Jackson was not the passer, right, at that time that he appears to be now, or at least they didn't have that part of the game in, in the game plan, whatever. Um, but but the Chargers did some things with defensive backs, um, Derwin James and others, and sort of just, you know, played a lot of dime, basically, six defensive backs on the field, and they stopped them. Mm-hmm. You know, now I don't, I don't know what scheme that the, that the Titans are going to come up with, um, but I'm with you. I think this is a hot offense that is rolling, and I think it's rolling because Jackson can destroy you with his arm. We've seen him throw five touchdowns in a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's so not just a running quarterback. I mean, he, he no. can sling the ball. Yes, absolutely. And, and they've and designed been... an offense that – you talk about a coach in an in a organization that completely went in on one player. They did. They have built Rit- everything risky. around Lamar Jackson – in mm-hmm. and, and his strengths to accentuate those and to mm-hmm. you know hide or mask some of his weaknesses they have they yep. have built a system that is purely about one guy it wasn't we're going to fit him into our system it's we're building a system for him they went all in and it's worked 
And it's because Lamar Jackson's good. I mean, you know, everyone thought he was just a running quarterback coming out, even though he did sling right. the ball in college. But nobody thought he was good enough or, you know, the talking heads never, you know, the ones you, you hear on TV never, you know, oh, he's, he can't throw the ball. He's in the NFL this. Well, he can. And Bill Polian thought he should be a wide receiver. Bill yes. Polian. Okay, a guy that won Super Bowls, right, and went to Super Bowls with the Bills and the Colts. Should make him a wide receiver, he said. He's, well, he's not a wide receiver. Bill Polian's whiffed on quite a few of those recently. <laughs> yes. Might be why he's no longer a GM, right? <laughs> that, in fact, that he's probably close to 75 years old. But, um, look, and the Ravens, they'll, they'll choke you to death, too, because what happens is because they're able to stay on the field with that offense, they led the league in time of possession – with almost 35 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. You don't have the ball, you're not winning, right? Um, now, the Titans did okay in that area, but they weren't nearly – I mean, they were like – I think they were like 30th, you know, so. Right. Um, well, the other thing is, you know, Baltimore's defense is really good. I mean, It is. So, I mean, Absolutely. the other part is they get a lead, they start grinding it out, running the ball, and they can they, – I mean, they were fourth in the league in yards. For mm-hmm. defensively. I mean, they will shut you down, right. too. So yeah, they, you, they exactly. get a lead. I mean, the thing with Baltimore is you've got to get a lead on them. You have to, yeah. And that's hard to do, the, well, the way their offense is, is rolling and executing early in games. That mm-hmm. If you can get a lead on them, then you can start to choke them a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, I, when they get a lead, they, can, they start shutting you down. It's really interesting because it, it's both teams um, – essentially playing kind of the same style, right? They both mm-hmm. want to dominate time of possession. They both want to keep your offense off the field. And so it's it becomes that, you know, that matter of will, right? The the clash of wills, who's going to dominate. And and that's usually your big guys up front. So I, I'm going to – this game – this game should be over in three hours. Well, I, <laughs> I wonder if they'll way. start taking delay of game penalties on punts in the first half <laughs> to milk the clock. Right. I mean, <laughs> right? Yeah, reduce this game right now. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think the Titans will do everything they can. Obviously, so on Sunday, the first game, I like this game too. The Texans are at the Chiefs. Uh, the Texans, of course, with the uh, overtime win at home against Buffalo, they got down sixteen to nothing in that one. Let me predict right now if they get down. 16 or 14 or two two touchdowns against Kansas City, it's over, okay? You're not coming back on, on, on the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I don't – we saw Houston late in the season here in Tampa Bay. I wasn't impressed with them. I all. thought they were a hot mess. I mean, Deshaun Jackson is special. He's special, and he's a tremendous talent. And DeAndre Hopkins is great, and the Bucks shut him down. Yeah, I mean they they have some pieces, but I yeah. didn't I, I didn't think they were that good. No, I, just, I didn't either. As a team, uh, you know, like right. I said, they have some pieces, and, and JJ Watt back helps, but sure I can't I can't see how they stay in this game with Kansas City. I, I just I just don't, and and maybe I'll maybe I'll be proven wrong with that, but I, I, you know I thought I thought Buffalo made some horrible decisions in that game and, and completely let Houston back in that game. I mean, well, Buffalo was driving for a game-winning field goal and took a sack and yeah. took a penalty and you know had all kinds. Josh of Allen was a hot end. mess that second half. He was um, late in the game. Yeah, and, and but I I don't see how Houston stays in this game with Kansas because I just don't think Houston's that good. I, mean, I think they were in well, a weak the, division. I, I didn't think Indianapolis yeah. was that good, and they were, that was who they were. You know, one of the teams they were competing with in yeah. the division when they came into Tampa Bay. Um, That's true. I just, I, I just think Kansas City. I think Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City rolls in this game. Well, 
you know, the only thing you can hang your hat on if you're the Texans or you're their fans is that they've already done this. They went into Arrowhead back in October, mm-hmm. right, and they beat the Chiefs. Now, they did it by keeping Mahomes more or less off the field. They held the ball for 40 minutes in that game, right? And so the Chiefs scored just 24 points. They only got it like three times after halftime, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Now, the difference was is that Mahomes got beat up. Mahomes Mahomes was not – you know, he's playing on a, on a bum foot – uh, knee, whatever. He was missing some weapons. Um, I'm sure, though, that if you're Bill O'Brien, you're going to try to do the same thing you did the first time. You're going to try to obviously keep that offense off the field if you can. Um, and, you know, I mean, the thing about the Chiefs is their defense has really gotten better as a, as years gone along. Mm-hmm. I guess after, uh, like, the final five games, they only allowed 52 points. Now that's That's stellar when you have the offense that they do. Um, so it's a good matchup though. I mean, I love the quarterback matchup, Deshaun Watson against mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes. I mean, two of the best young playmakers and, and the play Deshaun Watson made, of course, was stupid, right? Getting out of the sack and, mm-hmm. um, making the throw and setting up the game winning field goal in, uh, in overtime. So it'll be a fun game. I really, I'm confident in this one. Um, you give me Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson against Bill O'Brien. I'm coach quarterback confidence rating, even though Andy has not gone to the Super Bowl in a while. I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I like I said, I just I don't see how Houston stays in this game unless they can if they can dominate the time of possession again. Then then you know maybe mm-hmm. they've got a shot then. But other, I I think this is the biggest blowout of the weekend. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, unless it's this one, and then Sunday night uh, the Seahawks are at the Packers. Um, look. Russell Wilson has been as good as any quarterback in this league. There was a time when I was sure he was going to be the MVP, um, but but unfortunately he doesn't have a lot around him um, to kind of sustain the offense that he needs. Uh, and, and and I know that you know Marshawn Lynch is back, and that certainly helps the running game a little bit. He's given them something. Um, but this Packers team at home is just different, right? They're different when they're playing at home. If this game was in Seattle, I think Seattle's beaten them like – four or five straight times in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that this is in Green Bay uh, really you know, really makes me feel confident in the Packers. And, and I believe this, too, that – and I love Josh McCown, and he had to go play you know, for the Eagles at quarterback last week. But, you know, he had probably taken a rep in three months, 40 years old, and he almost pulled it off. But it says more about the Seahawks. Seahawks should have won that game going away. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You knock out the other team's starting quarterback, and and they were in a dogfight. And so, you know, for that reason, now I, I I will I will give them a little bit of an edge in that, um, you know, they can get after the quarterback a little bit. I mean, they had they had seven sacks in that game, right? And the big difference for them on defense has been Jadavian Clowney. If Jadavian Clowney comes out and hits Aaron Rodgers early. And gets him moving around. That could be that. That's what I'm looking for, right? Mm-hmm. I'm looking for for right that defense to kind of just get after. Because I I don't think the Packers are very physical up front. I think they 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 struggle uh, with good defensive fronts um, in particular. And and so I think if the Seahawks have a chance, it's beating up on Rodgers early, making him run around, throw the ball away. But that's you know the thing about the Packers is is that. They've kind of become a different team, right? I mean, as as much as Rodgers is a star and can carve you up, he has bought into 
sort of let's be balanced, let's use our strength. And the strength of their team is Aaron Jones. You know, I mean, the guy had 1,500 yards from scrimmage this mm-hmm. year, um, 16 rushing touchdowns. So they're not gonna they're not gonna allow. They're gonna try to run the ball downhill, you know, as much as they can. Um, and who knows if the tundra will be frozen or not? But they're gonna try to run it right at that Seattle, Seattle defensive front. And I, I I think that you know, at home, they they just seem to be very capable of of, of putting up points. So this could be the closest game in the weekend, I think. I don't know how I really don't know how it's going to go. I'll take the Packers cuz they're at home. And uh and that's about all I can say about it. I'm I'm I don't have a good feeling about this game one way or the other. I like the Packers defense better than the Seahawks defense. Okay. You know, the Packers defense is much improved over the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we're used to the, you know, as you said, they're, they're now a balanced offense running the ball more. Well, their defense used to be, you know, just Hold us, you know, hold the other team to just a few less points than what Aaron Rodgers puts up on the score. They're kind of the star of the team. Yeah, you're yeah. Right. I mean, they've really revamped that defense, and, and Seattle's defense is not what we think it is. Or you know, no. it's, it's you know that's what has led that team in the past for many years. You think right. of the, the not, Legion of Boom not, and all the that? Legion of and Boom. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not. Um, I, I just I think I, I trust New England or uh, Green Bay's defense more than than Seattle, so that's why I'm, I'm picking Green Bay in this game. Yeah, to your point, Seattle is 22nd in run defense. They've allowed 117 yards a game. That's a lot um, to give up on the ground, especially against a team that's going to run Aaron Jones at you all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't think Rodgers has the receivers that he's had in the past. That You know, they're not quite as good. Um, but, but they get it done. So if I had to lean, I'd lean Green Bay again because they're home, which means that I'm leaning on all the home teams, which means I'm wrong. The home teams aren't all going to win this week, are they? Most Somebody's likely there'll be a, there'll be someone. I mean, they, you know, this weekend generally the home teams win a majority, true. but because they're home, they're rested. They more know. than likely will one win at least. Sure. Yeah. I mean, if I had They'll to if I had to switch one, one I, I think I think the most likely to win is actually Minnesota for me. I'm picking San Francisco, but I, I think Minnesota's no, got the I biggest chance that. to pick up pick up the upset. Sure, I could definitely see that. No doubt about it. I mean, I think I think Kansas way. City and Baltimore. Are the two best teams in the AFC? I don't think there's been any question. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, 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 I just I don't trust Seattle's defense. So we could be looking at potentially. I mean, any of these combinations could happen, right? But but I'm I'm fairly confident that we're going to be seeing a Kansas City Baltimore AFC championship. That would be delicious. Yes, that'd be terrific. Yeah, and I don't then, think you want I, Tennessee Houston. I don't think you want to battle the AFC South. <laughs> That would be ugly, <laughs> really ugly. And then I then I think you have a chance to to uh, to see the Packers and the Niners, uh, or or Minnesota and and the Pack could be an NFC North championship, right? That would be fun. It's either going to be NFC North game or to go to the Super Bowl for those two teams. Ooh. I've lived up there. Ooh. Yeah, that would be something. They hate each other for sure. Um, but so either way, I think uh, we're looking at we're going to have some pretty good Super Bowl teams. Down in Miami, coming up here in a few weeks. So the hard my thing, favorite the hard weekend thing is is we have there are eight football games left this year. That's it. Seven NFL That's games, it. and then you got the college football championship on Monday night. That one's on Monday night, and we'll be talking about that uh, probably Sunday, previewing that on yep. Sunday's uh, Monday's podcast. Of course, uh, for the Monday night yeah. game, there's eight. Fo- if you uh, that's, if you count the Pro Bowl, I guess there's nine. But what are we gonna do? <laughs> what are we gonna do without football, man? 
Pitchers and catchers. Pitchers and catch. How far are we yeah. from Race Fan Fest? Race Fan Two Fest weeks? is uh, four weeks from tomorrow. Four weeks from tomorrow. Wow. They've got some. They got. They got to go pick some players here in a little bit, don't they? Uh, I would think they have they a full. Start they have a twenty-five man roster. No, they do. Yeah, they I mean, do. I'm wait, yeah, it's a lot of guys you haven't heard of yet, but yes, they do. They're not done though, right? I Are can't they, imagine. Could they go out and win the AL East right now? What do you think? If if their three pitchers stay healthy, sure. Yeah. If if if, if, maybe Mort, if they, Morton Snell and Glass now stay healthy, could they win? Sure. And maybe if uh, Manfred gives uh, Manfred gives the Baltimore Boston Red Sox a postseason ban. Well, I don't know if that investigation is going to be wrapped up that quick. But since that that no. news just kind of came out, although maybe baseball's had it for longer, but yeah, well, there's going to be some big baseball stories coming down the pike, man. Uh, there Houston is yes. Astros and the Red Sox. Oof. But yeah, we're not that far from pitchers and catchers, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, baseball about it. put out love... the game times yesterday for all the games in baseball, so. Mm-hmm. Um, Rays will open with the Pirates. It's a four ten start on the uh, March twenty sixth, the earliest baseball opening day ever. March twenty sixth. We're not even to April. Now we'll have a pitcher of the month that'll throw you know one game in March. Yeah, last year I think um, it started like March twenty eighth or something like that. But yeah, March right. March twenty sixth this year. How do you feel about uh, you know the Pirates going against a National League team right off the bat? At least it's not the Yankees, the Red Sox, or somebody that's like we get the really, Yankees really, the second series. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, so Pirates not... and Yankees in for the first homestand. Who would they open up with? Houston the first series last year? Is yes, it was, was Houston. They took three or four. Remember uh, uh, Verlander beat yeah. Blake Snell. He gave up five Verlander runs won. in the first I was game. There. Yeah, and then the Astros, yeah. or the then the Rays took the next three. Right. And then they finished, of course, with the Astros. So that was kind of symmetry there. Yeah, I wonder if the Astros but, were cheating uh, in that series and only won one game. <laughs> Although that was at the Trop. I guess they were cheating at home they were, more. But. Yeah, they didn't cheat at the Trop. I remember talking. Verlander was good that day. That was a oh, uh, he was. Uh, that was a really good game for him. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised he came back and won three out of four that week. The Pirates are a nice team to open with. You could bash the Pirates a little bit. You hope so. You'll probably, you'll probably see uh, see some faces you're familiar with out there, you think? Maybe one on the mound in particular. Yeah, Chris Archer, I don't know if he'll, I don't know if he'll be opening day starter. He'll probably be second or third day. But Yeah. It could be. If he's the third day starter, it could be Glass now versus Archer. That's a good one. Because I, I, I assume Snell will be the opener. And then Morton, then Glass. Now is what I'm guessing. I saw the best game Archer pitched last year. I was at I was at Wrigley Field, and uh, the Pirates came in, and they were terrible. And um, the Cubs needed to win. Uh, and uh, Archer went out there and threw one of those Archer type games where he was just dominant for like mm-hmm. six innings, right? And I think I think he gave up a walk, something like that. Next guy went yard, tied the game. He was out. <laughs> It's like Archer's, I mean, Archer's, Chris got, Archer. Archer's got some Jameis in him. He really does. It's like, ugh, you gave up the bomb now. You were pitching like a perfect, like a shutout. Like they weren't even, they weren't touching this guy. I mean, he was just mowing him down. And then like one little hiccup and then bam, you know, game's tied. But so. yeah, but it's not the home run that was the problem. It was the walk beforehand that it set was the it up. walk. And, yeah. You know, yeah. That's, you know, that's where you, that's where you made the mistake. It wasn't the, the home run that if no. it was a solo shot, you were fine. He's fine. Yeah. You could give that up. But then he, he just started nibbling. And then, then, you know, he was, and it was a typical, you know, the best Chris Archer line you ever see, right? Six innings, three hits, one walk, two runs, two earned runs, one home run. It's like, yeah, no decision, you know? And uh, then the Cubs wound up coming back and winning that game. So it was so, so Archer like. 
Indeed. Well, we've uh, appreciate you guys listening to this podcast. Of course, we're here every Monday through Friday. We got the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, by the way. Uh, they're going to have a big uh, weekend uh, as well, right? Back to back in Couple Philly and New Jersey. So, better, better travel back to back than you had last weekend. True. Uh, yeah, both no are seven o'clock games too. So, yeah, yeah, that was a that was a brutal stretch there. But we'll see if they can keep it going as well. Uh, hey, folks, uh, before we get going, uh, I want to remind you that uh, if you're paying a lot for your electric bill, stop doing that because you don't have to. Call my friends at May Electric Solar, and they'll save you 90 to 95% off your electric bill. That's right. I'm not exaggerating. 90 to 95% off your electric bill. Call them at 727-819-2862. It's May Electric Solar. Everyone knows it has to be May all the way. 727-819-2862. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody.